rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. All right, good morning to you. Good morning, Chris. How's everything? Groovy. Good, good. Good to see you, and thank you for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, so for our listeners and our viewers, let us know who you are, first of all, and where you're from. Okay, well, uh, my name is Melissa Mercado, and I'm the executive director of the Fox Valley Music Foundation. Okay. And I was born right here in Aurora, Illinois. <laughs> uh, east side or west side? I'm an east sider. I'm a Tomcat. Okay, all right. Good to have uh, another Tomcat on here. We've been uh, a little Blackhawk heavy Oh, for a while now. We have to fix that. Yeah, we do. We do. We either need equilibrium or, you know, something something else. A little bit. Okay. Um, is this also where you attended and uh, went to high school? I went to East High. Okay. And um, came all the way up through East High School District 131. What was the uh, East High School District like in uh, in those days? What, are the, what significant changes have you noticed? Oh, wow. Uh, it's hard to pinpoint. I mean, I think that the education I had was stellar. I am at going through when I did. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very progressive um, educational community. As fact, matter of fact, my um, parents both went to um, Catholic schools, also on the east east side. Okay. But um, because of the progressive nature of education and gifted programs and things like that and sports and arts um, particularly that were um, offered at the time, mm -hmm. um, they made the decision to um, send us to O'Donnell School which fed into Simmons Junior High School at that time and then on to East Aurora. Okay, O'Donnell, Simmons, and then East. Mm -hmm. All right, so you are, you are Baked in the cake, as they say, at <laughs> the uh, East Aurora community. You got it. All right. Um, so what is your post-high school education? I attended the University of Illinois, and that's where I received my degree in Bachelor of Fine Arts in Graphic Design. Okay. All right. Um, what was Aurora like at that time? What was the big attractions here in the city? And I asked I ask that question because sure. there's a lot of, when, when folks come on the show or send us things, the nostalgia element, uh, you know, they, they sure. always shower us at that. Well, when I was a young girl, um, we would come downtown here. Mm -hmm. It was town. We'd go to town. People would think Chicago these days, but no, town was Aurora. And um, this is where we did all of our shopping. Then in the late 70s, um, the Fox Valley Mall came into being, and that was a big thing. Right. Sadly kind of cleared out a lot of the mom-and-pop businesses down here and mm. people, you know, did their shopping there. But um, it was kind of cool to take the bus out to the mall with your girlfriends and hang out and right. that sort of thing. So, so on, and on the one hand, the small business community that was here was taken away due to the mall coming up, but then the mall did provide something else Right, it was entertainment do. for young people. It was a gathering place. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I've seen pictures of the mall now. Mm -hmm. I've seen pictures of it, like, or, or rather that area before uh -huh. the mall. A lot of cornfields. Aurora wasn't 
Lots of cornfields. Yeah. Aurora, Batavia, Geneva. Believe it or not, I could ride my bike from... I, I lived in um, the Aurora Township area on the far northeast side. Okay. A little bit called Marywood. Okay. Um, still unincorporated, most of it. And I could easily ride my bike up and down Randall Road. I had friends that lived out in the country, and if I wanted to ride their horses, I had to bike it over there. Can you imagine riding a bike down the middle of Randall Road these days? Yeah, that would be, <laughs> you know, it would look insane. Yeah, it, seriously. <laughs> um, same thing. Um, I learned to drive a car when I was 12 years old, and the way I learned was, you know, headed out towards the mall. You know, there were dirt roads. There was the rickety bridge on Liberty Street, which is no longer there. Yeah. But it was a good time to go over that thing as fast as you could. So. Uh, good memories? Good memories. Great memories. Yeah. Okay. Um, music, entertainment, the embrace and highlight of the arts. Have you always had an interest in music? Yes. Okay. I didn't realize that I did, but <laughs> um, I did. I took piano lessons as most, you know, girls and boys do. Um, I think as soon as I could learn to read, I, I learned to read music and um, took piano lessons for several years. And I'm the oldest of five children, so as my siblings came up we kind of had an unofficial band and and uh you know violins and mm -hmm. recorders and things like that we had a good music program in our grade school and um a really good um choir director so i was in the honor choir from the fourth grade up and okay. uh, and yeah i learned um it just became part of what we did it was you know it was always there what kind of music do you listen to well, truth be told, um, I'm a real Beatles fan, and I love Frank Sinatra. But I am—I'm um, very diverse in my musical tastes. You know, jazz, a little bit of country, like indie. Didn't know I liked bluegrass until we started having things at the venue, and uh, that really speaks to me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and the thing about bluegrass—I may as well ask this question. So, where is that? Where is that line between? It's blues and then it's bluegrass or what's what separates that? You know, I think it's a personal thing. I think it's who's singing the song. Okay. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I mean, but blues definitely has um, a little bit more of the, um, you know, guitar riffs and things. And bluegrass tends to hit, use different um, instruments a little bit and, you know, more of a ballady, um, you know, country right. tone, a little bit more twang, I think. And, storytelling um, i've asked that too about blues and rock mm -hmm. you know where does the line at because they seem to blend so i mean what's clapton right is he well, rock or is he blues you know he's a little bit of both it's kind of like that old donnie and marie thing a little bit country a little bit rock and roll right but they, you know the saying goes that the blues had a baby and they called it rock and roll <laughs> so how, how have i never heard that <laughs> the blues had a baby and they called it rock and roll yeah. i like that and Donnie Marie Osmond. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm dating myself. No, 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 no. <laughs> For our listeners, like Donnie Marie, if they want to go TikTok that, it's not TikTokable. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, growing up, mm -hmm. what impact did your dad have in your life? My dad had a huge impact on me. Um, my dad lived to serve. He served um, his family, he served his country in the Navy, which you viewers out there cannot 
cannot see it, but there's a lovely um, United States Navy flag here. Um, he was a firefighter. Um, he was born and raised here in the city of Aurora as well, and um, he was a very avid um, supporter of the Boy Scouts. He came from a long line of, of scouting, and um, he, he lived it, you know, um, right. all the time. You know, service um, is what he did, and he was always willing to impart his knowledge in any way to others. Some of my, I lost my dad when um, he, he had a, um, a heart attack fighting a fire when he was 51, so pretty young. Wow. And, uh, but uh, he taught me a lot of things about life and about, um, you know, how to, how to take care of a car and change your own tire and, right. and build things. And uh, he, he was a huge impact on me, musically as well. Um, as most dads, you know, you want your kids to do better than you. You know, you, you want them to, to be the best and be the greatest. Um, and as a father now, I, I, I get what it means to support your kids in whatever the heck it's doing. I saw a meme not too long ago that was like, instead of telling your kids, like, that sounds crazy, tell them, that sounds great. You know, like, why is this guy, whatever it is, just, hey, maybe you could be the guy to figure it out. Maybe you could be the person to figure that out. Right. Build them up. Not exactly. Them yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, in 2010, the Aurora Civic Center Authority, with Paramount as spearhead, took over Blues on the Fox from COA, City of Aurora. What, if anything, was added to or changed as a result of that change in management? You know, it's funny that um, you should ask that question. In 2010, I worked for the Aurora Civic Center Authority. Oh. <laughs> I was the marketing director there, and um, I had become involved with the Blues on the Fox committee that was okay. the former holder of the festival that right. you know, produced it. Um, and as marketing director, I kind of became an unofficial liaison between the theater and the um, city okay. and um, became a full-fledged member of the committee. So it underwent quite a bit of changes. Um, it, the festival started out obviously, or maybe not obviously to some of your viewers, um, as a um, grassroots street festival. Um, and it came about because of some very important blues recordings that were made at the top of the Leland Tower here. Yes. In in the 30s, Sonny Boy Williams, Tampa Red, all of that. And um, this very, very small group of folks um, thought, what a great thing to do, you know, let's let's put it on the map, let's, let's make it a festival, let's see if we can grow this thing. And over the years, um, hands changed, you know, people came and went from the committee. And then, as you say, in um, 2010, the um, Paramount, you know, was asked by I think Mayor Tom Weisner okay. to, um, you know, uh, take over, so to speak. And um, our little group continued to um, advise a little bit, and I'm including myself in the in the Blues Committee at mm -hmm. this point in time, um, and suggest up and coming blues artists, traditional blues artists, help put together the the schedule, the lineup for the festivals. Right. And then that was the precursor to River Edge Park. Aha! Uh -huh. 
I, I do believe that that festival um, is largely responsible for its being here. Um, over the years, the growth of the festival showed that there was a demand for this in downtown Aurora. And, um, you know, besides blues, what other, um, you know, genres of music could come in? What else right. could be put on that stage? And the Paramount and the city were a natural partnership, given that they were already in entertainment. Right. And they knew that aspect of it. The city had the means for the large, you know, scale productions, and um, you know, so that was just in its incubation stage, mm -hmm. I guess, in t in 2010. You fast forward a few more years, and now you have this beautiful park and um, a Blues on the Fox festival that was hosting, you know, several thousand people instead of a few hundred. Right. So there's a there's a big evolution there. Over time, um, the Blues on the Fox committee, you know, that had been um, running out to the airport to pick up musicians, you know, several years <laughs> earlier, <laughs> right. were now just kind of serving as an advisory um, board, it, not even a board, just a committee su making suggestions mm -hmm. and, um, of course, attending the festival and having a great time and sometimes emceeing on stage and... Um, you know, that's kind of, um, you know, what was going on at that point in time. Later on, the foundation came into being because mm -hmm. we, you know, all were blues lovers. Right. Wanted to continue. What do you like most about what you do? Oh, I love the variety. Um, when you put on four shows a week, 52 weeks a year, in a good year, we're not even going to talk about last year. The year that shall not be named, yes, right? <laughs> yes, just like Voldemort and Harry Potter. Um, I like the variety. I like getting to know the musicians on a personal level. Um, so many times people um, are starstruck by um, the people that, you know, stand up on a stage. Mm -hmm. But really, they're human beings. They're just like you and I. You know, they they have families. They're working their tails off. Right. And, um I like the teamwork, you know, it, it's, it definitely, um, it doesn't happen by accident. We have um, a booker, Donnie Biggins, who we brought on board about four months ago. He's wonderful. Um, we have our sound and light guys, and we have a tremendous group of volunteers, and the effort that they put forth on a daily basis to make sure that things happen, it's just phenomenal. I like what you got. So I have volunteered at the venue, this was like in 2018 or 19. Um, I had a great time. A couple shows are there. Sure Thing was one of them. Oh, yeah. Another one escapes Tom me at the moment. <laughs> um, I had a good time with it. And I see that you guys have a new person, Abby. Abby Enos. Enos, yes. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just trying to clear up my schedule to come back and do some more volunteering with you guys. We'd love to have you. Because I like the app. So, and I asked that question about what you like to do. Because like, the atmosphere is cool. Thank you. That's the thing that I like about it. Like, I, you know, sometimes even if you are volunteering, well, the rule of volunteering is that the volunteers have to feel cool about it, too. They have right. to like what they do. I mean, that's how you get good people to do things. Like, that atmosphere and everybody in there, I've always liked. Like, it's chill. Like, okay, we got some... It's a good vibe. And, it, and yeah. you know, they bring a passion to what they do. And that's the thing. If, if you have a talent... 
uh, you know, and or if you don't have a talent, there's always something that can be done right. at the venue. You know, if if you love music, music's such a great equalizer. Absolutely. You know, and everybody has their favorites. And um, you know, being a volunteer, you can come in, you can help out a little, and you can have access to a great concert and um, and socialize with friends. And it's nice to uh, it, it's like we're a big family, really. Yep. And when I did volunteer, one of the things they they put the they put a skinny guy like me on security. So I was like, you know, I love these people. <laughs> I, I remember. They see that. the passion. Yes, yes, I do remember that. <laughs> All right. Um, now let's talk about the blues, which is a genre I love. Aurora has a familiarity with blues historically. Tell us a little bit about it, please. Um, well, um, as I mentioned earlier, um, the blues in Aurora was. Um, something that um, was sparked in the 1930s at the top of the Leland Tower in a, a club called the Sky Club. And at the time, Chicago musicians were coming out from the city, taking the train, because the Aurora is the last stop on the Burlington Northern. Yep. And um, that ballroom, the Sky Club, had great acoustics. You know, it's um, now been broken up into condominiums, but it was quite the place to chill and see and be seen in the 30s right and this group came out um, 1931 to 32 and they um, recorded approximately 337 tracks on the bluebird record label mm -hmm. and um, out of that some very important um, music was made that has been covered hundreds of times over the last decade Right. Um, Good Morning School Girl, um, you know, and, and several others. So that, you know, is why these musicians came out here. We've done a lot of research. There are a lot of theories. Um, I know at the time that um, there was some, you know, Chicago union issues with sure. um, black musicians. Mm -hmm. And um, so maybe it was um, more economical you know, for them to come out and um, do things here, but I think it was because it was accessible and um, the sound was so great. So, and, and as well as economical. You know, all of the above. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't play blues, but I think of the uh, progression of this show. Mm -hmm. I mean, I started the show in, in my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> because it was the best place to like record and get away oh, sure. from the yeah. the yeah yeah it was quiet so I can dig it I yeah. can totally dig it okay and so Bluebird Records I'm actually gonna follow up and do some stuff like that now you mentioned Sunny Boy Williams Tampa Red Tampa Red okay Big Bill Brunzi I'm familiar with because it's B R O B R O O N Z Y yes I'm familiar with that name. I have to go dig that up. Big Bill Brunzi. Okay. Um, preserve, promote, protect, and present mm -hmm. the wonderful music of the Fox Valley. How exactly does the Fox Valley Music Foundation do that? Well, a number of ways. We, um, for a long time, one of our Goals, and this is a, a future goal after having you know built our bricks and mortar. But we would like to obtain um, the rights to some of that music that was um, recorded in the Sky Club okay. and remaster it using today's modern methods and make it available to others. So we have an ongoing um, 
I guess, uh, conversation with Sony Music, <laughs> as you can imagine. They're some of the biggest, you know, right. that um, there is. So it, it's it's been um, a long journey, to say the least. But um, we also um, inter do interviews, much like this one that we're having right now, with um, people that have had um, an effect on music here in Aurora, whether they have played in a band, um, have a music store. Um, a fellow named Art Sheridan um, had a direct link to the Beatles, who is an Auroran, and so we, um, he was the first in a documentary series that we have been doing called um, Music Notes. He was a veteran. He was. World War II. Yes. That's right. Art, that's right. Yep. Yes. And um, so he was one of our very first interviews, and we um, make that archival footage available for research. We have um, on the Fox Valley Music Foundation website, there is our, um, some in-depth uh, stories and links, of course, to some of these other, um, you know, celebrities mm -hmm. that uh, we have seen fit to honor. At some point in time, we would like our foundation to be able to um, create some type of a Fox, there already is a Fox Valley Arts Hall of Fame, but we would like to, um, you know, kind of take the next step and do something similar to um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, you know, in downtown Aurora, but not specifically to rock and roll to, of course. to Fox Valley musicians. Um, as far as um, presenting, we do quite a bit of um, music at our place, mm -hmm. and we like to feature local musicians, um, whether as openers or um, as, uh, you know, as, as headliners. And um, we invite um, folks from all over the place to um, you know tap into that we um, we also advise musicians you know that are up and coming and kind of help advocate for them um, you know there's a business to music that you know it, everything's it's so simple to get up and and uh, you know sing on a stage if you yeah. have the pipes but it's more than it's more than having the pipes it's more than having the talent you know it, it's getting your name out there it's getting good representation mm -hmm. it's you know knowing how to read a contract knowing how to market yourself so we um, assist um, some of our folks with that and that kind of leads into you know what we've been doing over the last year while we were shuttered in um, having done live streams mm -hmm. and using mo mostly local talent to do that, but make um, making the um, edited film footage available to them to use for their own marketing purposes. So right. that's also one of, our, one of our things that we do. That's awesome. Okay, um, now you we, we mentioned when we talked about the year that shall not be named, <laughs> but just for a little bit of posterity, um, what is the biggest impact that COVID has had on your activities. I mean, it would be a no-brainer that you guys were shut down, right? right? We, we were. We were um, shuttered for 16 months. Um, that being said, we were forced to um, seek out um, a, some way to stay relevant and some way to keep a tiny trickle of revenue coming in. So we um, had been fortunate in that um, several years ago a grant was written where we acquired some um, very nice video um, equipment okay. through um, the King County Riverboat Casino grant, the Community Foundation grant, and um, I believe also a grant from the Dunham Fund here. 
Oh, yeah. And so that allowed us, yes, that allowed us to immediately, and when I say immediately, it was like three weeks before we got our live stream up and running. But um, we went through a learning curve a little bit. But um, after a couple of months, we were able to do um, a three camera shoot of bands that we brought into the venue, socially distanced, everybody wearing masks. Um, So there was a total of probably whoever was on stage and then three camera guys that were out in the audience. So no more than 10 ever. But, um, and we did um, live streams for donation. We didn't want to monetize it for ourselves, but because we're a foundation, we were able to give those donations to the musicians who were struggling to help them pay their bills. And we had um, formed quite a regular audience. We um, did that until um, the following summer when we were kind of briefly allowed to reopen. And then of course, things went terribly wrong with the Yep. Climbing mm-hmm. of the positivity rate, and we were closed again. But at that time, we had enough experience under our belt with the live streams to just immediately switch back, and we started doing a couple of them a week. And um, you know, we were able to bring artists in Chicago got wind of what we were doing, and then we had a long list of people that were kind of waiting in line mm-hmm. to um, do live streams, and we had some blues um Taranzo Cannon he opened the venue he was our very first show yeah that was in our that was in our news we were shouting that out mm-hmm. yeah uh, at that time and um he came back and he did a live stream and um he was so impressed with the quality of our video that um he talked to his record company and they came back and they did a full-on shoot so you know um during COVID mm-hmm. so that he could put his um his film out there at um, other festivals, at other virtual festivals. So that was really kind of a feather in our camp. Big shout out to Taranzo for recognizing that this small group of volunteers could make some real good things happen. So. Yeah, got it. Um, kudos to keeping it, keeping it moving and keeping it alive. You got to you know, do what you got to do. And and I and I have to say, we we could not have done that with the volunteers that brought their time, their talent, their knowledge, and sometimes their own personal equipment to make it happen. Right. Okay. Um, now we're seeing a rise. Excuse me. We're seeing a return of entertainment, guests, and the music experience uh, return to our city. How prepared is the Fox Valley Music Foundation to meet any growing demand? 100%. Okay. <laughs> Resounding. I like that. Yes. I like that. We are ready, willing, and able to meet the demand. Um, we, this, we knew this year was going to be a challenge as well. Um, so we um, wrote some more grants um, in order to present um, our Music in Monday Park ser- excuse me, series. Mm-hmm. And um, we are presenting live music since the first week, weekend in June, um, outdoors, socially distanced, right. and uh, on every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. You know, and it, I think it's been very well received. I think so too. Uh, I see and know a lot of people who go out there, so I'm always looking in their Instagram story or the Facebook story and all that. Uh, I will say. I think you guys have so that's it's so well placed right there though too. I remember when that was opened, 
Mm-hmm. You know, when, when it was Monday Park, when it was the ribbon cutting or right. or what have you for that. Um, and it was kind of sad to pass by it during the pandemic and just see nothing. It was. <laughs> I mean, it's set up for many humans to be out here hanging and chilling. And then right. it was just, it was nothing. The, so I, the parks, um, you know, it was built. Um, Wally Monday, who's the park is named after his mother, mm-hmm. Agnes Monday. Um, got wind of what we were doing at the Music Foundation when we were in the building stages and um, over kind of a casual conversation he just asked what I'm thinking about redoing that park what would you like to see out there and on a on a piece of yellow legal paper just like you have in your hand right now we did just a simple line sketch and then he took that and ran with it and added things and we ended up with a gorgeous park which on our end, we decided that, you know, if there was going to be a park out there, we needed to cut a hole in our south wall to put in our giant garage yeah. door so that we could utilize it. So um, we did not have the forethought. We did not know what was coming around the pike with the, fi- with the pandemic. But thank goodness that we did what we did and are able to utilize that this summer, um, you know, and keep everybody safe socially distanced but able to enjoy live music again you guys are doing great work over there thank you okay um now so i asked what you like most um about what you do already mm-hmm. um I, I, what i'd like to know is do you have any favorites or is any, any greatest hits that you guys have put on that you're like man that was an awesome one or we should do this one again yeah funny you should ask i i actually have um a couple of favorites um something that the venue um developed early on we really we really wanted to um make sure that people were being in you know that the here i got stuttering (laughs) that patrons got a taste of many genres of music and original music. We were we were a little bit high-minded when we opened up and you know we didn't want to have tribute bands or bar bands, you know, because people could go anywhere and listen to that. Not that it's not great music. It right. is. And those are the standards and that's what people sing, you know, when they're mm-hmm. in the shower and stuff. But we really wanted to um, you know, kind of just make it a music listening room experience. But there is a demand for tributes and people want to hear the music they're familiar with so we started a series called album cover tribute we're not trying to um, emulate any given band what we do is we take an album a beloved album uh, uh, that everybody knows and loves and then um, Scott Tipping our music director assembles an ensemble band that is particularly suited to any to the featured album Mm -hmm. and then they play that album track by track both sides cover to cover and it's been a sellout huge success since its inception which we um, rolled out with um, the Beatles 50th anniversary of Abbey Road we've done Tom Petty we've done Fleetwood Mac and and that's our nod to um, to covering yeah okay I like some Tom Petty so that's a great one And then uh, um, more recently, um, Cody Decoff, Chicago Farmer, um, and Taranzo Cannon. They've just been very, very good friends to the Music Foundation, and they never disappoint, always sell out. And um, it's 
it's a good time. The show ends on a positive note. Mm -hmm. What is your message today for the people of Aurora? You know, we're all about community. Mm -hmm. We're all about collaboration. And um, I will leave you with a quote that's been um, one that I have on the wall of my office. It's attributed to Muhammad Ali. Service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that. And I think that in a small way, you know, we're providing a service to our community by bringing um, live music and by making it um, available and affordable to our community. Um, it's, it's well received. Thank it's you. well received. Yeah, you guys are doing good. Um, so on behalf of Good Morning Aurora, we really appreciate your time for coming on and talk to folks. For all of you listeners and viewers out there, please support the venue and Fox Valley Music Foundation and hang out at Monday Park because it was built for it was built for it was us. Built for music. Thank you, Curtis. No problem.